Welcome to Branch Pod, where we believe that growing a relationship with Jesus Christ is about your everyday, not just your Sunday. I'm your host, Christina Bontrager, and for the next 13 weeks, we'll be diving deeper into our Sunday series through the Book of Esther, through a variety of interviews, reflections, spiritual practices, and stories to help us bring the book to life outside of Sunday morning. This week, I wanted to share with you all something that stuck out to me from this past Sunday's passage and how I found myself reminded of God's providence from the outset of Esther's story. Hey, Branch family. I've been looking forward to this week because this is the week in the story of Esther where we actually meet our main character. Chapter 2 is where the author introduces Esther, and what stuck out to me in reading it again is that her introduction isn't the kind I would assume for someone who's going to become queen in the story. So when we meet Esther in chapter two, we meet her in the context of Mordecai. So Esther two, five through six says, Now there was in the citadel of Susa a Jew of the tribe of Benjamin named Mordecai, son of Jer, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, who had been carried into exile from Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, among those taken captive with the king of Judah. Mordecai had a cousin named Hadassah, whom he had brought up because she had neither father or mother. And that's our character, Esther. Now, in reading this, this first mention of Esther, I would have expected it to talk about who she's going to be like the actual character we're going to learn about, about her personality, about the kind of woman she is, about her wits, maybe how charming she is, her personality, something to do with who she's going to be and how she's going to be acting in our story. But that's not what we get about her. That's not how we're introduced to her. We're introduced to her through three characteristics that she didn't have any say in. Really, she didn't have any way to say yay or nay to being a part of them. We learn from the outset that Esther is Jewish, that she's a female, and that she's an orphan. And in a text whose entire first chapter that we've talked about the first couple weeks of our series is all about demonstrations of power, who has power in this society, we meet a main character who's introduced as one who is utterly powerless. And she's sort of got these three strikes against her that cement her position in this society of having little to no power whatsoever. As a Jew, we read that they are exiles in Babylon. They are a conquered nation. Babylon came in and the Jews were conquered by them and this group of them was exiled to live in Babylon. And Babylon was then conquered by Persia. So they're a less than people, a minority group with less privilege than the Persians who are in charge. And as we'll see, it's very clear that there are those in this main culture who would openly seek them harm. They are not the ones in a position of power. She's also a female. And if it wasn't obvious from the first chapter of Esther, women were not the gender that were in power in this society. 
We saw this with Vashti when she defied King Xerxes and was exiled because of it. And then King Xerxes works with his officials to enact decrees that further cement men as the sort of ruler in their household. And it's not to say that there were not instances where women did have say in what they do or what they participated in, but they were not the ones primarily who had power in this society. And then third, we learn that Esther is an orphan that Mordecai has brought her up because she had neither father nor mother. She's parentless, and unless somebody takes in an orphan like Mordecai did, they were unlikely to make it anywhere but on the streets. There was little to no future for an orphan besides begging and trying to last as long as they could. So we've established who's in power in this story's context, and from the outset, we are introduced to our main character, who is very much not in a position of power. She is a female Jewish orphan. But these three strikes that should discount her, I believe, actually foreshadow what we'll see to come in this story. Because as we'll see with Esther and what will come in the rest of her tale, God's power makes a way for those who are powerless in the world. You see, when we read that she's an orphan, there were actually passages that come in Scripture before this that talk about how God made provisions for the orphans and the widows. That he charged his people, his children of Israel, with the care and kindness of orphans and widows, those who society would say are worth nothing because they have no heritage, no legacy, no family to belong to. God says, I see them and you are going to be people who take care of them because that's where my heart lies. For females, God does similarly. He, into a society that would say females are not worth anything if they cannot have children, if they are not part of a secure household, God provides a way for them to be cared for if their spouse were to die or if they are living as an exile or to be rejoined with the purity laws so that they can participate in the work that he's doing in his people. And we see stories about women and about God's attention to them. We see him take care of women who cannot have children, of Sarah and Hannah, who cry out to God when they can't have children, and he blesses them and uses them in his story that he's enacting here on earth. We read in Moses' story, before we ever get to Moses, we read a series of women whose everyday acts of courage are the way that we end up with Moses in position to do the work God calls him to who say no to killing a baby, even though it's what Pharaoh has asked them to do. A female princess who says she's going to rescue a baby boy, a Hebrew, from the water, even though that's against the law. In a world that says females have no power, God sees them and takes care of them. And finally, Esther is Jewish. And the Jews, though in Persia, they are not those in power. The Jews are God's chosen people. They are the people with whom God has made a covenant, who has said, I am going to be in relationship with these people, and they are going to model what it means to follow me. That to the rest of the world, they will be an image, a a reflection, a living metaphor of what it means to be a people who are in relationship with the God of the universe. They are the people that God has destined, who he has chosen to be the enactors of his story. 
And so even though Esther at the beginning doesn't seem like someone we would place all our bets on, that we would bet on as being successful in this society, who is clearly powerless, we actually see someone whom God has said, I will take care of you. And it's the same way that when Jesus comes on the scene, he acts in his ministry. When Jesus comes, he says that the kingdom of God is in fact not for the rich, not for the proud, not for those in high society who appear perfect and blame-free, but for the meek, for the humble, for the poor in spirit, for the sick, for the captives, for the disinherited, for those whose chains are waiting to be broken. Jesus says this is who God sees. This is who the kingdom of heaven is for. A doctor does not come for the well, he comes for the sick, and that's who I'm coming for. So when we think about this, when we think about how God's power makes a way for those who the world says are powerless, how do we respond? Well, I have two thoughts in thinking about Esther. The first is to those who feel their characterization would match that of Esther's. Those who today are sitting here listening to this who feel powerless. And to you, I would say Esther is a reminder that God sees you and he cares for you. That at no point in your life, no matter what you have been told or experienced, has God ever said, yeah, I agree. But instead, he says, To the orphan, to the Jew, to the women, he says, I see you and I care for you and my power is such that I will take care of you. That in moments where it feels as though I am absent in reality, I am still at work. My second thought is to those of us who are in a position of power. And to you, I have a question. It's to reflect on whether we model Jesus' response to those society does call the powerless. If you are in any role where you have a a degree of power, are you making space to do as Jesus did, to find those who are sick, who are meek, who are humble, who are poor, and to spend time with them because that's the model Jesus showed us in his ministry. We have so much more to see of this character in the rest of her story And we will see that this foreshadowing of a God who sees those society says are powerless and raises them up, we will see that come to be true of Esther as she is raised from a humble female Jewish orphan to the queen of Persia. But even as the book unfolds, I hope this rests in the back of your mind, not just as a foreshadowing of what's to come in this story, but as another reminder of what this book is all about, a reminder of God's providence, even when he seems absent. To learn more about The Branch and how to get connected, Head to brch.org for upcoming events and to listen to past messages. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Branch Pod, and we'll see you next week.